Well, good morning, church. I love that. It's good to be here at second service. I always love the opportunity to be able to share in the house of God. And so um, thank you to the pastoral staff for having me this morning. I find it a huge privilege to be able to share a little bit of an update with you on India, um, as well as I just want to get into the word this morning. And so first off, how many of you guys are familiar with our ministry, Send Hope in India? Anyone? Okay, we actually got a good amount of people. Great, great. Praise God. So this will be new for some of you guys, but it's also going to be an opportunity for me to update the church uh, just on what's been going on over there. And so uh, you might realize, uh, I don't know if you could tell, I'm not Indian. Um, I, uh, I run our organization from the U.S. side of things, so our office is in Boise. Um, and as Pastor Dan shared, we just have an incredible history as God builds partnerships across the world. So um, some of you guys might be familiar either with this church or other churches that are often sending people out. We are fortunate enough to have built a relationship where we could just help people, pastor, pastors, stay where they are, get planted and rooted in what God was already doing in India. And so I just wanted to expand a little bit first off um, on a little bit more of the context of our ministry, give you some testimony of what God's been doing in India um, as we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, I know that for, for many of us, we've been inundated with much information about what's been going on throughout the world, and many times when it comes to the news, it's all negative. So I'm hopeful that I can give you some context of the good that God's doing across the world, and that you would just be encouraged this morning. So I, I want to share a little bit about that, and I, I really want to get into the Word as well. Um, as I think you and I, to get over to India, um, it's a long trip. It took me 24 hours to travel over there. So it's not going to happen for everybody, but the most powerful way that you and I can partner with individuals over there is through prayer, right? So fortunately, we have a God who exists here in the United States. He exists in India, and he's working through our prayers to make an impact over there as well. And so I just want to encourage us this morning, uh, just in our hearts for prayer, by giving some scripture and context on that as well. So that's pretty much what I'm going to talk about, okay? You already know, you got the, the lay of the land, I guess, this morning already. So we're going to have some fun. Um, I just wanted to start out with Dan, um, what he was saying. I love hearing some of the stories. I've not been, uh, I wasn't alive when the ministry started. Um, it's been 35 years. And so uh, I've just been a part of it since 2020. It was the perfect time to get plugged in. Um, so we, uh, my wife and I actually moved out of here from Illinois to get plugged into the organization. So I know that this is kind of a military town and Many of you guys might be world travelers. Um, I'm excited to see the kind of the partnerships build from not only Mountain Home, but throughout the U.S. So um, as Dan was saying, there was a relationship that built with Guna, uh, his broken English, trying to build a relationship. He and the pastor, Pastor Bob at that time, were talking, building relationship, praying about how the ministry might start, both feeling impassioned to do a work over in India and so Guna ended up returning after that time together to plant a church. Um, Guna himself was actually an, or, uh, an orphan. Um, he grew up in a German orphanage. And so uh, he's got three children. Um, if you can guess their names, it's Ulrich, Frederick, and Heinrich. Um, not very Indian, but uh, it was just to pay homage to the people that raised him. And so uh, there's just, he had such a heart for what he receives as a child, 
being in a Christian orphanage, hearing the gospel message himself, he wanted to reciprocate that. And so we started with one church that multiplied into two, into five. Um, 1992 is when we first started supporting orphans. Um, it was, I believe, five children, and he could fit he could fit four of them in his home, and he had one that he would send down the street to the neighbor's house to spend the night. And so we had very humble beginnings as an organization. Um, and then to kind of follow along the story, one of the other major mile markers, uh, you might have heard me kind of discuss it in the video, uh, was the fact that we support HIV children. So in 2005, after years of supporting orphans um, as an organization, there was a woman who approached Guna at a train station um, and asked him to take her baby, which was not a small gesture, of course. Um, after talking with her, he found out that she was HIV infected, um, was likely going to pass away, and her child was HIV infected as well. And so with that context in mind, you know, you and I might come to pivotal parts of it in our lives where we have to make a decision. You know, you kind of very clearly have forks in the road where you have to decide what route you're going to go down. And so this was a big task for us to take on, caring for HIV-infected children with their medical support, their food, all the nutritional things that we're going to have to do. But we said yes. Um, and so in 2005, we began supporting orphan children. Sangeeta is her name. She's the first child, and she's still a part of the organization, um, which is a beautiful thing. But anyways, uh, to, since then, we've continued to support orphan care. Uh, it's been one of the pivotal things that God has used for us to be able to not only sustain our ministry, but expand it, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, and that's often how God works. Our yes is what he uses to be able to not only bless, but help us to thrive. And so uh, a little bit of context for you. Um, uh, those that are diseased and, and the untouchables, as we kind of talked about in the video, um, the, the lepers, the widows, the, the orphans often um, can all kind of fall into this category. And so from a governmental standpoint, it's really interesting. The government really doesn't want to provide a lot of care for these individuals. Um, there's a lot of lack in health education and an assumption that you can touch somebody and get sick. And so these people are often um, sent out. They're kind of shunned by communities. We support three leper colonies where it's literally just lepers in that area. Um, they're only able to leave at certain times of the month. It's very interesting culture-wise. So health education is just completely different. And so we stepped in to say yes to support some of these communities. And it's been the pathway that God has used for us to be able to, as I said, expand. Um, the Indian government does not like supporting these individuals. And so the fact that organizations like us exist has allowed us to honestly remain. Um, you might have heard, if you pay attention to any Indian news, organizations like World Vision and Compassion have been completely kicked out after sending over millions of dollars to India. But it's because, in the government eyes, they're converting Hindi children. They don't want any part in that. And so, just because, even though there's the humanitarian support, they don't want that type of relationship. And so, I, I find it a huge privilege that we exist in a country like India as an organization, because... We're doing something that not many organizations get to do. And so much of that was rooted in that yes, of saying we're going to support HIV and children has been the gateway for us to be able to expand into 200 plus churches now as an organization. So I'm just so encouraged um, as a believer when I got to first hear that testimony, and now I've seen it expand out over the last three years and various projects we've stepped into. Um, I, for one, got to go to a very rural part of India. Um, Odisha is the state. 
and visit some of our pastors that we're bringing up, raising up to send out throughout the north. Um, it's a tribal area. Uh, so we had a pastor that went there in 2014. Um, he went to that area for the first time, he and his family, to build the organization. And they literally would go out once a month to the tribal people, um, built relationship with them, would spend the night with them at once or twice a month, um, and eventually asked them, would you be willing to hear the gospel? And they said yes. And within a year, um, this tribe of 29 families all came to faith. And then the following year, they built the church. They funded it themselves, uh, which is just so cool to think about what God does through transformation like that. And now there's two brothers from that tribe that are now enrolled in our pastoral training program and are being raised up to send out um, throughout that state and beyond. So I just love the reciprocal work of what God does. He just He's just so phenomenal. So these are some of the areas we serve. I mean, when it comes to missions organizations, it's not very common, I think, for uh, you to see organizations as expansive as us when it comes to missions. But I love what we've been able to do in 35 years. We are everywhere. We have a team up in Himachal Pradesh, literally up in the Himalayan mountains, um, serving. Um, I'm told there's one flight to get up there a week, and a team years ago couldn't get up there because of weather, and so they had to take a nine-hour bus ride on one of those videos you see on a road that's carved through the mountains. So God bless them. (laughs) I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, But anyways, God just expanded the ministry so effectively over the years, and I love, love, love what we get to be a part of. And the fact that he just protects. I mean, um, you might have heard, obviously, everything happening globally right now is, is kind of turmoil, and yet... God is so faithful to take situations like this where we've had numerous issues with government officials trying to stop our ministry. I'll I'll share one other quick story. Um, 2020, uh, my first year being a part of the organization, um, Guna got COVID, was sick for about a month. And in that period, the government uh, decided they wanted to audit us, which from a governmental standpoint is not good um, from Indian government because it pretty much means they're trying to look for a way to shut us down. Um, we had never been audited before from the government. So it was a very nerve wracking process and Guna being sick, wasn't able to participate in that. And so his oldest son, Ulrich was the one that stepped in to help with the financial process, the accountability. And so it became a three or four day process where we had about four accountants come to our main office, questioning everything that we did, checking all our books, everything. And so I was waiting Praying, 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 like, Lord, help us out here. I don't know what's going to happen with this. But the the testimony I ended up getting from it after the fact was that after looking through our books, the accountants were amazed with what we were able to accomplish, and so much so that they asked if they could each financially support the organization themselves. Isn't that so cool? So God is just so cool in the way that he just turns, he flips things around. Um, and I think so much of that is rooted in our prayer lives. And so I want to get into the word this morning and just encourage us as believers, not only for us to pray into what God is doing throughout the earth, but for us to encourage ourselves in our own prayer life. And so uh, I want to first just start out with a simple question. What is prayer, right? Um, you might ask yourself that. Well, it's, to me, it's just the simple act of communication with God, right? Uh, I think it's as simplistic as that. Um, prayer is really kind of the continuation, it's the beginning of relationship. If you think of your relationship with anyone, 
um, there's communication there. There's a necessity for it. Uh, myself being married over the last eight years, I've had to learn to get much better at communication. I realize how much I lacked at communication. Um, and so when we get saved, it's not just a one and done thing where now we're able to go to heaven and the job is done. It's the beginning of a journey in relationship with God. And so I want to give you guys maybe an example of this just to give you some clarity on things of a marriage relationships, right? Um, so in the Bible, we're, we're called the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Um, and in the same way, Jesus, um, especially in kind of the end time view of him, is called the bridegroom, king, and judge. So it's called this bridegroom, the, the bride of Christ. We see ourselves in maybe this marriage relationship, right? And so when it comes to that context and the importance of prayer within our lives, I just want to challenge us if we put ourselves in that context with the way we view our marriage, uh, our relationship with God, right? And I want to pose the question to you that are married or in relationship. How many of you, uh, how many of you would be okay with your spouse if they only talk to you once a week on a group date? If you think about that, I mean, that's oftentimes how we look at church, right? We're in this group setting where all of us obviously get to build a relationship with God. Praise God. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ and our collective unity. But that's just the beginning point of what relationship is meant to be like, right? And maybe it's a starting point if you went on a, a date with somebody. I know it's kind of my wife and I. We, we started dating by hanging out together and kind of feeling things out. And then from there, it became a lot more intimate in our relationship one-on-one together. And I think that's the same way we're to view our relationship with God. It's a starting point of our group dates, if you will, on Sunday mornings. And then we take it from there and we go into the week in a personal relationship context with God. And so that's where I wanted to lead into our first scripture, Matthew 6, 6. Um, if you want to turn with me or you got it on the screen, I'll read it out loud. So Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I, if you want to study the scripture, I think this is a great scripture. This leads into the Lord's Prayer. And it's an incredible opportunity to dive into more of what prayer is. Um, but I, I take this verse very specifically because of that context. There's importance that we get alone with God. Right? And I think this is just an example of going into your room um, I don't know if there's better cell signal in there um, to the heavens in your room. Maybe you can test it out and let me know. But I do know that's one of the places we get to spend time with the Lord. Um, anywhere, whether for me, it's in my car ride. Uh, I'm driving a lot right now. And so the opportunity I have to be able to get alone with God in my car and put worship music on and, and speak with him is a huge priority. Um, wherever that context is, it's a priority for us to be one-on-one with God, to be in relationship. Because it's not only a space for us to be able to convey our heart to communicate to God. I don't know if you're like me. I like to process everything with the Lord. If I had a bad day or if I just had a conversation with somebody that wasn't my favorite, uh, I will talk with the Lord instead of taking it out on that person. Um, So that helps a lot. Um, But outside of that, it's also the opportunity for us to receive what God wants to say. So it's a back and forth. This is not a one-sided relationship. It's not a one-sided marriage, if you will. God has things that he wants to convey to us. And I can promise you, if your prayer life is a lot more of just sitting in silence and listening, it's going to be a lot better for you than when you're the one that's talking the whole time. 
because God has so many important things that are so much better perspective than we could ever provide to him. Um, so I wanted to, to give that kind of context that we, especially in a world of so much noise, we have to slow down. We have to get quiet. We have to spend time with the Lord in private. Um, and building off of that, I just want to give you some, a picture of the powerful, a powerful image of prayer um, found in, in Revelations 5. Uh, if you would, if you want to pull that up for me, Revelation 5, 7 to 8. Um, this is such a beautiful scripture. Um, we get this image of kind of the heavenlies um, and just gives a beautiful context of the kind of the physicality if you want to think about our prayers. So Revelation 5, 7 to 8, it says, He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So you start to think about that context, that if you think about maybe the physical sense, I don't know if you're sending up mail to heaven, whatever it is, uh, our prayers are making it to heaven. Like that's mind boggling to me to actually think, not only that I know that because God is convening me with me when I'm alone with him, but that, you know, your, your mail has been received. <laughs> God ha- has received your mail in heaven. Um, it's been expedited, I believe. <laughs> he gets it in immediacy. Um, but that there's, there's a storing up process, I believe. And, and I don't want to encourage some of you guys, if you're in a position where you're like, I've been praying for something, I've been interceding on behalf of something or a situation or something like that. I just believe that those are the prayers that God is storing up to be released at the proper time. Um, and if you're in a position of waiting, God is, God is building something up. I think only with the intent that it's going to build interest. Um, our prayers, if they're not released at the right time, there's a level of interest that God wants to build in pouring out his response to what we're praying for. And so just stay encouraged in that. Um, but I love the scripture outside of even that context, because, uh, it says, it describes it as a golden bowl full of incense. Now incense was this, op- this way of worship in the old Testament. And so I started processing that with the Lord. Like, what does that mean? Incense is, uh, kind of called prayer. Worship is prayer. I guess it's kind of how I started to, my brain started to work. It was like, okay, prayer is a form of worship. And so Lord, what does that mean? Um, And he just kind of walked me through this process of recognizing like, if you and I, well, I'll give you an example of my, my oldest, she's five. And she knows that we have gum in the car. And there's not a shadow of a doubt that every single time we're in the car, she wants a piece of gum. And um, she asks of me to provide that for her because she knows I'm capable of providing it, right? And in the same way, I think prayer can be an act of worship in the way that we would only pray if we believed that God was capable of answering that prayer. Does that make sense? You following what I'm saying? So I think that's what it means um, when we're talking about incense, this worship. It's a worship to God to say, I'm going to pray this. I'm going to ask this of you. And especially when I'm going to ask big, bold prayers of God, I'm only going to do that if I believe that God is a God who is capable of providing those things to me. Um, And I want to encourage you that God is a good and faithful God, and he is faithful to answer our prayers, I think, in due time. Um, And some of us are the five-year-old who is asking something that God's just saying, that's not the best decision for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't need that right now. Uh, but God is a faithful God to be able to answer prayers. Um, and I think that kind of leads into recognition that there is power in our prayers, um, realizing that God wants to meet with us alone. Um, all of it kind of plays into another verse I want to kind of lead us into, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 18. This is kind of a familiar one, but one that's challenged me over the years. But having this context, I feel has very help, very been very helpful. So here's what it says: First Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen. It says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." So this is the will of God. Rejoice always. There's no off time. <laughs> Don't stop praying. Give thanks in any circumstance you're facing. I, I will tell you, that's not an easy pill to swallow as a believer. And I've had to work through that one with the Lord over the years. But I was so encouraged as I was kind of preparing for today and thinking through the context that we've already built this morning and trying to figure out how do we fulfill such a scripture. And I think it really starts in the middle. Uh, it starts at pray without ceasing. Um, that's kind of what the Lord was was helping me connect with. He's like, if you'll just pray without ceasing... And what does that mean? Be in a relationship with me throughout your day. Talk with me, process what you're going through. Let me be a part of the conversations you're navigating and go into me into your relationship context. Go into me as you're, go with me if you're going into a relationship with your kids or at your workplace or whatever. Promise you're gonna have a lot more patience and a lot better context, a lot more wisdom to be able to bring into situations. But it's with that context when we're in just relationship not meaning we have to be on our knees and be in these intense prayer sessions, but just be in commune with God throughout the day. And that, I believe, is what produces the rejoicing always. It's what produces the giving thanks in all circumstances. Because God just changes perspectives when we're in relationship with him. He makes it so much easier for us to be in a state of rejoicing, to have gratitude for what we have or to give thanks in any circumstance we might be facing. You might be in a valley right now, but I promise you the good shepherd is walking with you through it. You're going to make it out okay. And if he, I think I heard it said one time, if he hasn't taken you out of the situation, he's going to see you through it. And I believe that that's very much God's desire for us this morning. And um, I just want to give you an example of, of kind of my situation. This was man, probably a year ago now. I was uh, had a, a rough Friday night. My wife left. And so it was just me, single dad, boo-hoo, uh, that evening where I was trying to get my kids to bed. And so um, they were particularly rowdy and rambunctious and kind of Tasmanian devils throughout the house. And so I remember putting them to bed and exhaustedly coming out of their room and looking at the house, the disaster that was ahead of me, that I was going to be blessed to clean up. And um you know, you just, you see those comics, the, you know, the old man just huffing and puffing and just, I was grumpy. Okay. I was grumpy about the situation and I was, I don't even know that I realized I was processing it with the Lord, but I was. And immediately, you know, I was frustrated about all these different things that I was going to have to now take care of. And God just quickly flipped a switch. He was like, aren't these the kids that you were praying years ago that I would bless you with? I was like, oh, snap. Okay, Lord. That's true. That's true. I needed that. I needed that. Um, and throughout that whole conversation, I then proceeded to kind of go throughout the house. 
and talking with the Lord about the various things I was seeing just completely changed the way I was viewing it. It, it changed from, you know, frustrated about all the mess that the kids have made to like, man, God, I am so grateful that you've helped me to financially provide these toys for these children. And what a gift it is that they have found joy in what I've been able to provide. And this mess is a sign of that. And going throughout the house and recognizing, okay, I have laundry I have to do, but thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the ability to afford clothes and more clothes than we can fit in our closet um, and more shoes than I need. And I have the opportunity to be able to take care of all that you provided for me. And then I'm getting into the kitchen and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for these dishes and this dinner that you were providing for us, this incredible meal that we got to partake in and I got to provide for my kids. And it was just thing after thing after thing after thing that God was like completely doing a 180 in my heart as I was trying to, honestly, trying to probably stay in more of a negative Nancy perspective. And yet God was so quick to gently move me in the right direction as he does. So that's the power of praying. It's not only an opportunity for us to give up our burdens to God, it's an opportunity to receive what he has for us. And that's, I didn't really get into it, but the the first scripture is, you know, God will reward you in the secret place. When you're alone with him, he rewards you not in the things that we might think of as man, but a transformation of our hearts, a recognition of really the big picture of things and to be made more into his image. Um, so I wanted to encourage you with that this morning, that we are called to be in community with God, to commune with him throughout the day, not as a burden or a religious act or anything like that, but it's a blessing that you and I get to be in relationship with God, that he provides access to him at any given moment. Right now, he's willing to talk with you. Like that is a gift that the president of all presidents, the kings of all kings, you know, the, the biggest celebrity we'd ever want to meet is the one who's willing to meet us where it's just him and I. What a gift. What a gift. And so leading into all that, I just want to share one final scripture with you that's really just more of a a personal request now. Um, Ephesians 6.18b is the, so just the final part of that. Um, This is maybe even me speaking. He says, with all this in mind, (laughs) with all the things I just said, be alert and be, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So that's my prayer and hope for you guys this morning is that you not only would take this to heart of how we can be challenged as believers in our personal walks with God, but that we would be encouraged so much and be so full of what God wants to do through us in our personal time with him that it would just pour out into others. That we would be so full through our prayer life and our personal time with God that we would be so motivated motivated to see other people receive that. I think that's where the outpouring comes of praying for all of God's people, specifically for the people of India. You know, the context is so different over there. The challenge is much greater for the believers. And yet we see so much courage and excitement and passion for believers over there. And I've been so challenged by what I've seen anytime I'm over there. Um, I had the opportunity to go over in 2022 um, summer. It was meant to be a group trip. And it turned into just me. Um, And so that was a very challenging opportunity, but one of the greatest privileges of my life. And so while I was there, I got to be a part of two pastor's conferences. I preached at a few churches, um, got to meet my sponsor child on the left. That's baby John. Um, He's actually named after one of our board members, but is the recent, most recent little baby, a part of our home. And he lives in one of the girls' homes. Um, it's hilarious because I got a photo one time of him. It was a sweet little photo of him praying. 
and all of his fingernails are painted different colors. <laughs> so the girls have done a number on him. Um, but he is the cutest little thing, sweetest little boy. Um, and it's just privileged. He's named after one of our board members, like I said, because he was left on our doorstep. We didn't have a name for him. Many of the children in our homes, we don't have, uh, we don't have birth dates, so we just give them the date of when they came to our home. Um, that's the context we have for a lot of the situations we see, and yet God is faithful to provide. Um, this middle photo I wanted to show you, um, just centered around the power of prayer, it's in Varanasi. So Varanasi is the Hindi capital of the world. Something like 2,000-odd temples exist in that area, and it's kind of like the pilgrimage for um, Hindi people. They all try to have one trip there. And so there's this holy river, the Ganges River, you can see in that photo. Um, it's where they believe in reincarnation. And so they'll cremate bodies and put them in there. And it's, it's, it's very dark. I'll say that just the heaviness you feel of what spiritually is going on there was weighted to me. And yet what I love is we have a six acre property that we built, uh, up there about 12 years ago now. And on that six acre property, which is right on the river, which I just love the context of it is this prayer walk. So that's what that photo is. It's a prayer walk around the entirety of the property. And each one of those signs is a biblical story and scriptures. Um, So the kids every morning will get up and they'll walk around that prayer walk. And they're encouraged by the scriptures. They kind of will dwell on them. And um, that's the context of their mornings every single day is to be filled with that type of stuff. And so that was one of the biggest things I think I just was encouraged by is just, man, the intentionality of their prayer lives. They are very uh, regimented with it outside of what they spend their own personal time doing. And then just another impact story, I think, of us as an organization, Reasons to Pray, is the story of Kavitha on the right-hand side. So Kavitha had just come into our homes um, when I got there. Uh, I went in July of 2022. And what you don't realize about her, even though she's so small, she's actually 15 years old. Um, So the context of a lot of the kids that we end up supporting in our organization is really, really sad, but they come in because of all of the health scares and the uh, social parameters of HIV. Parents won't provide the medical support for their kids because they don't want their neighbors to find out. So that was the situation with Kavitha. She was in such terrible state that her parents had no other option but to bring her to us because she was dying. Um, And sadly, after coming into our homes about four months later, she did pass away because we didn't have enough time. But um, what what I'm encouraged by in those situations is we had four months to be able to share the gospel message with her, to encourage her, to make her aware of Jesus. She had no idea who Jesus was before coming into our homes. And those are the opportunities we see every single day when it comes to the children we're participating and relationship with that have come and stayed with us. Um, the pastors and the churches that we're planting, we, we provide uh, these nutrition kits, we call them. So it's a feeding family kit that essentially supports HIV-infected widows primarily with nutritional support for the month. So the government essentially provides them rice and wheat Um, is all they get from a nutritional standpoint, and they can't work. So we get to step in as an organization and provide them with nutritious items for them to actually not only survive their disease, but thrive through it. I got to be in a context of uh, handing out 40 nutrition kits and uh, to, yeah, it was like 20 
HIV-infected children and 20 widows and hear the testimonies of women that had been encouraged. They had, they had gained weight finally. And not only that, they were in community with 20 other widows that all were in the same context of life as them. And they were finally not alone. So anyways, um, not only this morning, I guess if I have any call to action to you this morning, it's to pray for us uh, more than anything. Um, we have a table out in the back. I would love for you guys to sign up. We have a newsletter and a prayer uh, list if you want to sign up to get updates and just pray with us. That's the most impactful thing I think you can do. But outside of that, I want to be intentional with like the specific ways you can pray. All right. um, and so I was talking about the feeding families. So 15 bucks is all it takes to provide food to a family for one month, which is mind-boggling. That pretty much buys a sack of apples right now at the grocery store. Um, but outside of that, if you want to have a specific way to be able to pray, you can sponsor a child just like my wife and I sponsor little baby John. Um, there's ways to be able to partner with us out in the lobby. Uh, if you want to do that, you can prayerfully consider that. Um, oh, and I didn't talk about this last service, but I, when I was over in India, I got some scarves and like handcrafts type stuff um, that are beautiful, and they are an opportunity for you to uh, just be reminded of India. Um, so you can check those out. It's that time of year. I know it's like 60 degrees today, mind-blowing, um, but uh, there's beautiful garments out there we got directly from Varanasi, India. So um, those help us. If you purchase one of those, it helps us provide a nutrition kit. So um, I think that's a lot of what I wanted to be able to share. So thank you so much, guys, for just the opportunity for us to share a little update with you guys. I hope you just be praying for us as an organization. Um, God is so faithful in providing ministry partners like Mountain Home, and um, you guys are just a gift. So thank you for the opportunity. Let me pray for us, and we will get out of here. So Jesus, thank you so, so, so much for this morning, the opportunity that we have to just come in relationship with you, to speak with you, to hear from you, Lord. Prayer is such a gift, and so we just don't take that lightly this morning. Um, we recognize the power that we have and the fact that you would listen in the heavenlies to what we have to say. And so, Lord, we just thank you for a relationship with you. We thank you that you have such a desire to know us and to be known by us, Lord. And we just praise you for this morning, for what the body of believers looks like, the unity that you bring together in a church and mountain home. Um, Lord, that you just meet us where we're at. And so I just pray that you just bless each and every person here, Lord. That you just fill us with this message. You'd encourage us in our prayer lives today, Lord God. And uh, that you would just continue to move our hearts for your people around the world. We pray all of this in your holy, holy name. Amen.